When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hi, happier listeners. This is your producer, Kristen. Before we start today's show, we just want to apologize for the slightly tinny sound of Gretchen's audio, which was caused by a technical issue during the recording of last week's and this week's episodes. Hopefully, you won't even notice. Thank you for your patience. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why it may boost your happiness to read three magazines you don't usually read, and we'll talk about the question of whether you're a hedgehog or a fox. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the hedgehog, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft and Hedgehog, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, I want to remind everybody that we have a live show coming up. Absolutely. For everybody in the Seattle area, please come to our live show Thursday, October 13th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, at Town Hall, again in Seattle. And uh, you can find out more information and buy tickets at slate.com slash live. And we hope to see lots of you there. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yes. Um, before we get started, we had some updates from listeners related to episode 75, where we talked about why it's a happiness booster to develop a minor expertise. There are great responses to that. Yeah. And this is one great story from Diane. She says, in 2002, I moved to the Upper East Side for graduate school. 
I'd spent the previous five years living in several spots downtown slash Brooklyn, but this apartment was my first time having daily access to Central Park. What was this 843-acre garden in the middle of Manhattan? I needed to learn more. Being curious about Central Park led me down a rabbit hole about this beautiful place built in what is now the middle of New York City. I read everything I could get my hands on about all the oddities of the park. New Year's Eve, 2003, I found myself at a small party talking to the head of planning for Central Park. We got on like old friends as there are few things better than being a minor expert who gets to actively listen to an actual expert. A few months later, I was managing the restoration of Bethesda Terrace, the architectural heart of the park. My passion for the mission of the Central Park Conservancy made me the top candidate for the job. It was incredible to give back to a place I genuinely care about so deeply. Sometimes being a minor expert can open doors in areas where you are an actual expert. Now, I love that partly because um, Bethesda Terrace is one of my favorite places, maybe my favorite place in all of New York City. Um, it's gorgeous. And also, it's so true. Like One of the advantages of being a minor expert is it helps you to connect with other people because you share this passion. And so she met this person at a party and they could talk away and then it actually turned into a job. I love, love, love that story. Um, and another story I love was the one from Amanda, who talked about how becoming an expert in pop music um, had turned into this whole fun thing for her, and she wanted to learn every song that comes on the radio. It had been a great way for her to bond with her roommates, and they were preparing for trivia night. And so pop music now for her was like this whole fun world to conquer. I love that. And Gretch, I appreciated uh, Carlotta, who said... She's a minor expert in you. She's read everything you've written multiple times. She listens to all the podcasts and and uh, cites you as her happiness guru. So um, that's exciting. And Peggy also said she was a minor expert in you. So Gretch, um, that's that's pretty cool. That is really thrilling. I have to say um, that is uh that made me very happy to hear that so thank you for carlotta and peggy <laughs> for your expertise <laughs> um and uh listen this week our try this at home tip is to buy three magazines that you would usually never read and this is something that i start i tried doing uh for the happiness project i write about it in the, my book the happiness project and it's a creativity exercise because it's a it's a way to expose yourself to unexpected information, surprising juxtapositions, just to get yourself out of your normal, uh, the normal routines and habits of your mind. Yeah, this is super cool. Of course, Gretch, you and I went out and bought magazines, but I have to point out, you could also do this with the Texture app, who's one of our uh, advertisers, but they have all the magazines. So it'd be very easy to expose yourself with that, uh, with that app. Yeah. And I'm sure that's one of the things people like about it because you know, I don't know about you, but it's just sometimes you feel stale, like you're tired of your own taste. Like this is the thing that you love, but you're tired, you're sort of tired of it, but you're like, but I don't, what else? I don't like anything else. And so, so what do you do when you get that kind of exhausted feeling? And this is a very easy way to break out of sort of your usual round of choices. So you and I did this. So tell me what magazines did you choose? Well, so I wanted to pick I wanted to pick areas um, that were things that I didn't know anything about and also that had a strong visual element because I feel like I'm so wordy, like everything I do has to do with words. And um, and I, so we went to this very uh, excellent independent bookstore, uh, Oblong, 
And they didn't have a gigantic number of choices, but even with a few, not so many choices, I was able to pick ones that were way out of what I would normally look at. So I picked Dwell, which is a shelter magazine um, at home in the modern world. Um, I picked Heirloom Gardener um, because I know nothing about gardening and Lucky Peach, which is a quarterly journal Mm. about food and writing because I am not a foodie at all or a big restaurant person. So these were definitely outside my comfort zone. Um, How about you, Elizabeth? What did you pick? I picked um, storage. Ooh. (laughs) uh, Like you, I was picking things I would normally (laughs) never read about. Uh, Urban farm and town and country. Interesting. Yeah. And I have to say it was kind of really cool because, um, well, for storage, I say it's like, it's kind of like guys reading Playboy. I mean, it's like this kind of fantasy <laughs> of like what, you know, you could have. And um, that's how I feel about all these amazing storage items. Like the one that really struck me was like a gift wrapping center. Um, they had this whole thing of how you could like hang something and put ribbon on it and then have scissors hanging off. And it was just amazing. So even though I might not implement these things, it gave me great joy to think about them. (laughs) I can imagine that. Yeah. What else? And then an urban farm, I read all about having a rain garden, which of course couldn't be less relevant for me because I live in California where we have a major drought, but I loved the idea of a rain garden. Uh, And then Town and Country, well, that was just fun to read. I've never read it before. And I read all about um, what the new It Girl is. And um, Mm. (laughs) I learned that new It Girls have to actually work and sort of create a brand as opposed to It Girls of the past who are just society ladies. And how about you, Gretch? What did you learn from your magazines? Um, Well, the thing that's funny is like how much even in a thing where you think, well, nothing of this to me is going to be of particular interest. You find many things that are of interest to you. So in Dwell, Elizabeth, uh, I read all about a house in Kansas City. That's probably right near where we grew up. Um, It turns out that a very famous Bauhaus trained architect named Marcel Brewer designed uh, a house in Mission Hills. Um, So I ripped out that article and sent it to mom and dad because very interesting. I had no idea that that was there, the Snower House. Um, And I'm also obsessed with libraries. And it turns out there's this crazy thing like two hours outside of New York called the Design Library, where they just have this massive library of designs, which I was Mm. totally cool. Um, Heirloom Gardener, kind of like your urban farm, it's sort of relaxing Relaxing to read about a lot of problems that you don't have. Uh-huh. Like, hmm, interesting. What would I do if I was going to plant a garden? I don't know. Um, but this also reminded me of how much I love the look of seed packets. There are few things to me as pleasing mm. as the look of seed packets. I never buy them. I have no use for them, but I like to look at them. Um, and in Lucky Peach, because I eat a lot of butter, that's when I'm a like fanatical low carb person, but a fanatical low carb person can eat a lot of butter. And there was literally a laugh out loud review of butter. I was oh just my chuckling away. <laughs> yeah. My Eliza was like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, I'm reading this review of butter and I am just like cracking, cracking up. Um, and, and so I, I really do feel like there's something about just getting outside your head and being in these places you would never expect to find yourself mentally. um, That's really energizing. The funny thing is, this is also kind of pointing out to me how 
oftentimes when we we actually get magazines, they become like something you just ignore because like we get well, <laughs> we actually subscribe to dwell. And I didn't read that article about the house in Kansas City. So, you know, it kind of points out like, hey, magazines are there to be read, not just stacked yeah. up on the bedside table, you know. Well, it's sort of like our conversation about the dormant friendship. Like maybe you have this friendship waiting in the wings for you if you would just reach out for it. And so it's like maybe you have all these like like maybe you have a magazine that would be quite fascinating to you if you read it Mm -hmm. that you already subscribed to. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you know what was also interesting to me was, you know, all this is on. There's so much on the Internet. This is there's a, a vast, limitless amount of information that, you know, outside your comfort zone that you could find on the Internet. But for me, there really was something about the tactile feeling of like turning the pages and seeing the beautiful photographs and seeing the layout. And also I liked the fact that it was limited. Like you, you start at the beginning and you read to the end and then you have this feeling like, Oh, I read a magazine. Whereas with the internet, it just feels like this time suck that can go on forever. It feels infinite in a way that's good, but also infinite in a way that's that, that, that feels kind of awful. And I liked the magazine was finite. It was like a thing unto itself. Yeah, I even enjoyed looking at the ads because, of course, the ads are radically different, you know, from magazine (laughs) to magazine. Uh, And I liked in town and country seeing all the like, you know, Chanel and uh, Dolce and Gabbana and all the, you know, they're very high end ads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just reminds you how big the world is. Like there's all these subcultures that we just we never tap into. We're never aware of like urban farmer, like they've got a whole thing going there that you just don't even know until you open up the magazine and then there they are um, advertising away, talking away. Um, it's refreshing. Very. And I have to say um, a long time ago, I gave a gold star to the New York society library, which is a, a library of the block from my house. And this is another reason that I love them is they have all these obscure magazines in the reading room. And mm. so you can just go in and browse a magazine. You don't even have to buy it. They have all the, these all kinds of magazines there. And, uh, and I should do that more. This reminds me, those magazines are there and I rarely look at them, but I should, because it is, um, it really did give me kind of a happiness boost and a, and a creativity boost, too. I felt it like it took me outside my own head. Me, too. So let us know if you try this at home uh, and whether reading three unfamiliar magazines uh, made you feel more mentally refreshed, more creative. What magazines did you pick? It'd be great to hear what people pick, because I'm sure for some people, you know, Dwell is the first magazine they read uh, every month. Um, Twitter, Facebook, email us at podcast at Gretchen Rubin, or as always, go to happiercast.com slash 83 for anything related to this episode. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Gretch, today our happiness hack is from Doug in Virginia, who has a happiness hack about using the Reminders app on your smartphone. He says, one day I forgot to roll the trash to the curb on trash night. To make sure that I didn't forget again, I told Siri on my phone to remind me every Wednesday at 9 p.m. to take the trash down. I have since become addicted to reminders and have created dozens. They have kept me from forgetting things and, more importantly, they have freed me from having to remember them. So that's cool. I know I should tell Adam about this because he's constantly like worrying about forgetting to take the trash cans down to the curb. I can relate to that one. Right. And, you know, in the last episode, we talked about keeping a to-do list. And this is a way to keep a to-do list that's actually like reaching out and talking to you. It's not just like sitting on a piece of paper on your desk or in a Mm -hmm. notebook. It's actually like prompting you to remember. Have you ever done this, Elizabeth? Have you ever used the Reminders app? Well, I have, but, you know, because um, I take insulin and sometimes I want to remind myself to take it at a certain time every day. Um, And I had, but what happened is I had my reminder for insulin and it went off during a movie. And because Mm. I wasn't even kind of thinking about it. I didn't even get that it was it was going off in my bag. I'm like, somebody, <laughs> something is going off. And it just kept going and going and going. It was in the movie Boyhood. And finally, I was like, oh, my God, that's me. And it was the most humiliating thing. Um, it was awful. So I have to say, since then, I have totally stopped using my reminders app. Yeah. How about you? Um, Well, you know, I had never done this, but my daughter Eliza does this all the time. Um, And so she sort of got me into it. And I have to say that she is also my tech expert. And so I asked her about this reminder going off. You forget that you sent your reminder. And so she says that if you put your phone in airplane mode, the reminders still do go off. So like if you go into a play and you put your reminder on, you will hear the alarm. But if you put it on do not disturb, the reminder won't go off. And so she says that's the way to ah. handle that. Um, if you're, But you're right. It's hard to remember sometimes um, that you've said it. The one time where I have used it is um, every Sunday night, I do this thing called Gretchen Rubin Reads on Facebook, where I post a picture of all the books I've read that week. Um, and you might say, how hard is it to remember to do this every Sunday night? Um, but I was forgetting. So I used a reminder. But the thing is, on the weekend, a lot of times I don't have my phone with me. And so it goes off, mm. but I'm nowhere near my phone. But it does help. It, it's like it helps. It's it's not a perfect solution, but it helps. And if I really needed to remember, I could just make sure that I kept my phone with me at all times. Um, so I think this is a great hack. I think it's something that people 
who have a smartphone might not realize that they could very easily use this tool um, in a way to make their lives easier, like with something like taking the trash out or uh, taking medication or, you know, paying a paying bills or whatever it might be. Yes. So thank you, Doug. And now, Elizabeth, it's time for a know yourself better question. And the question this week is, are you a hedgehog or a fox? Oh, what does that mean? So this is this is a, a question that comes from a line from the ancient Greek poet uh, Archilochus, who wrote, the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one important thing. And you know what does this mean exactly? Now, it seems to have a lot of meaning. Yeah. For instance, Gretch, I know there's a story of the fox and the hedgehog trying to escape from wild dogs. And in the story, every time the dogs come, the fox runs all around this way and that up hills. He tries all different tactics. And when he finally returns to the hedgehog, he's completely out of breath um, and tired, but he's gotten rid of the uh, dogs. And then the hedgehog's attitude toward the dogs is anytime they approach, he sort of hunkers down and bristles in a way that they can't um, get to him. And he just waits them out. And eventually they get bored and they leave. So this sort of like two different ways of tackling a problem. Right, right, right. So that's one way. And then and then it, um, this phrase was also made famous because the British philosopher Isaiah Berlin wrote an essay called The Hedgehog and the Fox about Tolstoy. And for Berlin, um, his argument was that the hedgehogs were the people who view the world through the lens of a single defining idea. And foxes are the ones who kind of have, they draw on a wide variety of experiences and they're at it, they, their ideas can't really be boiled down to just like one single idea. So that's a different idea of hedgehogs, hedgehogs and foxes. But listen, I got to say, when you and I have talked about, like, are you a hedgehog or a fox in the past? We've had our own meaning for it, which is for us, the foxes are the people who have like lots of interests, lots of diverse interests. You know, they're interested, they're interested in theater and they're interested in art and they're really interested in food and they're, you know, they've got their career. And, 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 and then they're the people who are the hedgehogs that just, they're interested in just like one or two things. Yeah. You and I are both hedgehogs. Yes, definitely. Um, Somehow I feel like that goes with being a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm not someone who dabbles in like, oh, now I'm going to, you know, get into this and now I'm going to get into that. I'm very kind of stayed and just into what I'm into and sort of have been forever. Yeah. And I when I think about this for myself, about because I'm definitely a hedgehog, is I really do try to push myself to embrace my fox side that whenever I do like I got, I'm obsessed with color now and I'm really letting myself run away right. with it because I'm like, this is good because as a hedgehog, I tend to become overly focused and I want to embrace my fox side and let myself develop these outside interests that maybe are going to lead me over hill and dale, um, but are going to be good, even though they're not related to my core hedgehog um, interests. Yeah, I would love to be more of a fox because I think it makes you just like a better, you know, dinner party guest to have more interest <laughs> and more things to talk about. Um, but it's it's hard for me to branch out. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of these things too where it's like, it's that tension and happiness. Like you want to accept yourself and also expect more from yourself. So on the one hand, you want to accept yourself as a hedgehog, but then also maybe embrace your fox side. Or if you're a fox, maybe you want to say, well, maybe I want to go deeper into a few things 
Um, I'm interested in a lot of things, but maybe I want to go deeper into some things and kind of embrace my hedgehog side. Yeah. I mean, the question is, Gretchen, is it even good to have these kind of classifications? Well, that, that's an interesting question. And I, people ask me that all the time because I do go around making like abstainer moderator, morning person, night person, simplicity lover, abundance <laughs> lover, overbuyer, underbuyer, right. upholder, questioner, obliger, rebel. I constantly um, talk about classifications. But of course, like they're meant to illuminate your personality and kind of show you your nature and also how you could push yourself. Um, but I think you don't want to let these kind of classifications box you in or make you feel like limit your sense of possibility or, or, or potential because you're like, you don't want to say like, well, because I'm a hedgehog, there's no way I could become interested in this or that. Um, and Isaiah Berlin actually in his essay, The Hedgehog and the Fox, he wrote something about the idea of making classifications, which I thought was really interesting, where he said about the about the hedgehog fox classification, he said, of course, like all oversimple classifications of this type, the dichotomy becomes, if pressed, artificial, scholastic, and ultimately absurd. But like all distinctions which embody any degree of truth, it offers a point of view from which to look and compare, a starting point for genuine investigation. So I think it is true that sometimes these classifications, they're not meant to box us in, but they can kind of help us start talking about things in a new and illuminating way. Yeah, and it's just fun to think about these kind of questions. I always love it when you ask me uh, one of these crazy questions, Scratch. <laughs> um, and now we have to close out uh, our hedgehog and fox discussion with this scene from Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives, where Sally, who's played by the wonderful Judy Davis, is with her new boyfriend and her mind starts racing with her own thoughts. She thinks about the fact that he's a hedgehog and she starts sorting her friends into hedgehogs and foxes. And I thought Michael was a hedgehog and Jack was a fox. And then I thought Judy was a fox and Gabe was a hedgehog. And I thought about all the people I knew and which were hedgehogs and which were foxes. Al Simon, a friend, was a hedgehog. And his wife Jenny was a hedgehog. And Cindy Salkind was a fox. And Lou Petrino was a hedgehog. <laughs> oh, I love that scene from Husbands and Wives. So Woody Allen. Gretchen, it's time for a listener question. And I want to remind everyone they can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77HAPPY336. Or you can email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com the way Daniel did. Daniel's question is, after years of trying to fit into the mold of a regular nine to five job, I now work freelance and am therefore my own boss and determine my own schedule. While I love the flexibility that comes with it, I struggle to establish routines such as going to the gym, morning routines, etc., because of the variability of my schedule. To give you an idea, some mornings I'm connected at 7 a.m. via Skype. Other mornings I teach classes at 8.30 in the morning downtown. And other mornings I have no classes whatsoever. I'm fortunate that I have some classes that are consistent with their scheduling of days and times each week. But it's still a challenge to develop routines and new habits. Besides going back to a 9-to-5 job, do you have any ideas for me? Well, Gretchen, I'm sure you have a million ideas for Daniel. This is right up your alley. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this is Daniel's pointing out something that many, many people struggle with when it comes to forming habits, because um, and I call these hard habits versus soft habits. And a hard habit is something that can literally happen the same way every single day. So you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth in kind of in exactly the same way. And for some people, their schedules are very consistent. So they could like get up and go to the gym at exactly the same time every day or practically the every day. But for a lot of us, there's soft habits where like we want to be in the habit of exercising, but maybe we have to do it at a different time on different days. Or we can't, it can't unfold exactly the same way every time. And that is more of a challenge. So I would think one of your first suggestions would be to use the strategy of scheduling. Absolutely, Elizabeth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, strategy of scheduling. So something that can be done at any time is often done at no time. And so for most people, if they actually write something in their schedule, in their calendar, it's going to be more likely to get done. So you don't want to say like, I want to go to the gym today. You want to say, well, because I have my Skype um, meeting at 7 a.m., I'm going to go to the gym at 11 today. And you want to really put that in your calendar because by seeing it there and really having thought through when it's going to fit into this day and the particular challenges of this day, you're going to be much more likely to execute with that habit. And I would add to that, that if you say, you know, there's a weekly yoga class you want to take, like every Tuesday at three, that you can make people schedule around that most of the time. I think we feel like when we freelance, like, oh, well, if someone wants to have a call with me or a meeting with me, I have to be available. So that takes precedence over my 3 p.m. yoga class. But the truth is, a lot of times people are just throwing out days and times for meetings. And in fact, you could have the meeting at one o'clock instead of three o'clock if you just say, oh, hey, I have a conflict. So I think it's just prioritizing these things that you want to get done for yourself and making other people work around you a little bit when you can. Sometimes you you can't, but a lot of times you can. I think that's an that's absolutely true. And that the more you can have your own schedule be its own priority, and I think that's another reason why putting it in the schedule, putting it in the calendar helps because then you see it there and you're like, oh, I have a conflict, and you don't need to explain like what it is, like oh, I have my yoga class. You just say, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Then let's find another time. Right. Um, another thing that's helpful is um, the strategy of monitoring, which is just to keep track of how much you're actually doing something. Um, because for most people, when you see how much you're following a certain habit, it helps you uh, to do a better job of it. And so you might in your calendar or, or, or in whatever way you want to keep track of when you're doing what. And that also might give you clues as to, okay, I tend to do a better job of going to the gym if I go before lunch, or I tend to do a better job of going to the gym mm. when I go after 4 p.m. I mean, it's sometimes by, by tracking these things, you learn important things about how to help yourself move forward. That makes sense. And another thing that might help is, so the strategy of foundation is the idea that there are certain fundamentals in our lives that help us stick to our good habits. And one of the, one of the aspects of foundation is getting enough sleep. And, and an aspect of freelancing is that you might not have to get up at the same time every day. But for most people, the sleep experts say it's really helpful to keep the same patterns of sleeping and waking. And so the fact that you can sleep late on some days, maybe you should just decide that you're going to stick to your own schedule. And that's going to help you keep into a routine because your bedtime and your wake up time are going to be consistent. That's going to help you get better sleep. And it's probably going to set and it's, it's going to set you up better for habits throughout the day. And I will also say this, I talk a lot about morning people and night people. 
And sometimes people, and I used to think this myself, think that night people could become morning people if they would just go to sleep on time and get up earlier. But there really are night people. And I think a reason that many people like being freelance is that they can accommodate their night self. And if you're a night person and you really do better when you stay up later and and wake up later, maybe you really want to set that up. You have flexibility. Maybe you want to really, really want to try to set that up in your day. Because I've heard from many night people who said that when they figured out ways to make their their days less morning focused, they were a lot happier. So that's a thing that you can think about too with freelancing is whether you want to accommodate your morning person, night person self. Well, I want to hear if uh, any of these suggestions help Daniel. So Daniel, <laughs> keep us posted. And thank you for that question, which I think a lot of people grapple with. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, demerit, gold star, Elizabeth, what is your demerit for this week? Gretch, uh, speaking of morning people and night people and getting a good night's sleep, <laughs> uh, my happiness demerit is related to uh, back to school time. So Jack started school recently, uh, first grade. And the thing is, over the summer, we got really lax about him staying up late. You know, our family tends to be more of a night family, um, especially Adam. And I think Jack is taking after Adam um, <laughs> because Jack would, unlike a lot of kids, he would actually sleep in till 9 a.m. Um, on a daily basis if he stayed up late. So it's not that he wasn't getting enough sleep. He was just going to bed late and sleeping late. But now, of course, we have to get up early to get to school on time. And Adam and I all summer were saying, okay, well, a week or two weeks maybe before we have to go back to school, we'll get him back going to bed at 8 <laughs> o'clock and we'll be in our routine. So he's used to getting up at 7 a.m. And, well, cut to the night before school. He, <laughs> we had not done that for one night. So it was just this sort of cold water splashed on all of us that poor Jack now had to suddenly try to go to bed like two hours earlier. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it created this whole adjustment period. Um, and I just give myself a demerit for not following through on our plan and just being lax. It's so sad that because in the summer you do want to say like, oh, it's their last days to sleep in and kind of have their own schedule. And, it, you know, you sort of want them to have that last little bit of freedom before the routine sets in. So it is hard. Yeah, and that's where we landed. But um, next summer, hopefully we'll do better. We'll see. I don't have high hopes, but um, <laughs> maybe the fact that I've declared this now next summer, I'll feel enough shame to actually follow through. Um, but what about you? What is your gold start this week, Reg? 
Okay, well, my gold star is the most cliched gold star of all time. Um, like, I will be the, like the, the the one gazillionth person to give this gold star, but it has to be done because <laughs> uh, I finally went to see the musical Hamilton. Wow. Um, yes, it is like this. Uh, everybody has talked about Hamilton, but if you haven't, if you don't know what it is, it's a musical by Lynn Manuel Miranda about the life of the uh, the founding father Alexander Hamilton, and it was inspired by the. Biography by Ron Chernow, um, and it's been just been this huge, gigantic hit. For instance, it was nominated for uh, 16 Tony Awards, which is like a new record, and it won 11, including Best Musical. And the thing about uh, Hamilton is that, it, first of all, it's sung through. There's almost no spoken dialogue. It's all kinds of music, hip-hop, rap, Gilbert and Sullivan, Rodgers and Hammerstein, everything. Um, and all the major figures who are, you know, big figures from the, the American Revolution are, are played by non-white people. So it's a very different view of, uh, of that period of American history. And it's just amazing. Like the songs are amazing. The staging is amazing. The whole thing is fantastic, which everybody has said. And I will say, too, uh, the music is really memorable. But the thing that I really want to give it a gold star and the thing that was really the most interesting for me was so it's all about the founding and the early days of the United States. And it's history that I know. Like, I learned about it in high school. I learned about it in college. I learned about it in law school. I read biographies of this time. And I saw it all anew. It was all fresh because it was told in this completely new, unexpected way. And it's all these things that are really important. And they're and they're just brought to life. And I, a friend of mine who I, I know because I clerked on the Supreme Court with him, he said, you know, these are things that I think about all the time. And I'm so happy because now everybody else is thinking about them, too. Mm. And because um, it really is these these big these big moments in American history um, it captured in such a, a, a new way. And so um, we ha I have to have a clip, of course. Yes. What, what is this? Well, it was very hard to pick because there's all the there's like these soaring moments and there's a moment where he's like says his name is Alexander Hamilton and but there was, but the moment that I picked is from Cabinet Battle Number One, and this is very policy heavy. Not the whole musical isn't like this, but what was so? I was literally laughing out loud with delight when I heard this part of the show because it captures these issues so well. And like I remember being in law school, and, well, and you know there was a great policy debate, or, oh, the Continental Congress, oh, you know, and you know blah 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 blah, and it's super technical and all these grand ideas being battled out. And then, so here, and, and I had to, I'm, I'm picking the Jefferson side of it. This is Thomas Jefferson. He and Hamilton are doing a debate in front of George Washington about a very important policy issue facing the United States. So this is a clip from Cabinet Battle Number One from the show Hamilton. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We fought for these ideals, we shouldn't settle for less. These are wise words, enterprising men quote them. Don't act surprised, you guys, cause I wrote them. Ow, but Hamilton forgets. His plan would have the government assume state debts. Now place your bets as to who that benefits. The very seat of government where Hamilton sits. Not true. Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If New York's in debt, why should Virginia bear it? Uh, our debts are paid, I'm afraid. Don't tax the South because we got it made in the shade. Gretch, I'm dying to see it. You know, it's so hard to get tickets. Um, I know in New York, I've, I know someone who's like won this daily lottery of tickets they have. Yeah. Uh, but everyone in L.A. has just been listening to the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great soundtrack.
Yeah, that's definitely on my list of things I need to do. Maybe, Gretch, when it goes on tour, I can see it in Los Angeles. Excellent. Excellent. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Read three unfamiliar magazines that you usually wouldn't read. And let us know what magazines you pick and whether it boosted your happiness. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, it's a big help to us if you tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you'd like to get the latest episode by email, if you'd like to get an email every time we have a new episode for you to listen to, just go to happiercast.com slash join and we'll sign you up. And I also want to remind you that if you have a great manifesto and you're going to be at our live show in Seattle on October 13th, please email your manifesto to us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And maybe we'll get to talk about it with you in front of a live audience. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.